I just love this. I love that two of my favorite people have now met, and now the world oh, can hear. Your favorite people. The magic of Stacy. Yeah, you're one of my Aww. favorite people. I talked to you like a thousand times a day. <laughs> Welcome to the Finding Your Shine podcast, hosted by best friends Nina Boyce and Liz Garster. Enjoy a dose of Monday motivation each week as we interview people lighting up the communities of health and wellness, spirituality, and personal growth. Wherever you are on your journey to health, happiness, and self-love, our real and authentic conversations with guests will keep you inspired and empowered. And keep you laughing too. Thanks for listening. We're honored to join you in finding your shine. everybody and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Today I am so excited to introduce someone who I think has been on this uh, on this podcast secretly but not like in real life. Through she her wisdom my, channeled through you. Right. <clears throat> um, she is my business coach. Her name is Stacey Keston. She works for Integrated Leadership Systems, which is a um, leadership consulting firm based out of Columbus, Ohio, um, but she is in LA, so she they have an office out in the California area. She studied psychology and communications and then eventually transitioned to getting mindfulness certifications through UCLA's Mindful Awareness Research Center. Um, she's my business coach, but she brings an element of mindfulness into every interaction that I have with her since that's really one of her big specialties. And I love this idea that I think we think of work as a very sterile place where some of the woo-woo that we may be practicing doesn't have a place in the nine-to-five positions that we may have. And I love that we're able—she gives me lots of tools to bring meditation and mindfulness and awareness into my interactions with both my coworkers and the clients I work with and just marry those two parts of my life, the kind of the personal and the professional. Liz has been talking about her, you know, sessions with her business coach for a while now. And I was like, everything you said about her was so true. Like after we did this episode, I was like, can you be my business coach? Like I loved talking with her. I think she's going to give me and my husband um, relationship counseling. And I mean, which everybody (laughs) I say needs. Everybody needs a good relationship counseling. Even if you're like, nothing's that wrong. I think it's great to just have a third-party person check in with you. So yeah, this is a great episode just talking about emotional intelligence, meditation, mindfulness, and how to have difficult conversations with your coworkers. Ah, so I hope you get a lot of value from this episode. Um, I'm really, like I said, I'm really excited to introduce you guys to her. And yeah, I hope this makes your work life if you're still in a nine-to-five job. You know, we talk to a lot of people that have left their jobs or, you know, doing their own thing. A lot of our listeners are still, and which is fine. Like they are in a traditional job. That's what best suits them. That's what makes them happy. And I'm glad that we can offer some tips today for those people. Um, and just things like Nina said to take in your everyday life, exactly. different ways to communicate more clearly. Yeah. Um, so before we get started, just a reminder that we are on Instagram where we do giveaways and episode recaps and all sorts of fun stuff. Um, our stories have pictures of me looking ridiculous sometimes when Nina posts recording pictures. Yeah, I love Uh, it. (laughs) So if you want to follow us and see what we're up to, you can do that at Finding Your Shine Podcast on Instagram, and we hope to see you there. Yep. You can also follow us on our personal Instagrams at Nourished with Nina and at Liz Garster. All right. Well, without further ado, let's get talking with Stacey Keston. 
All right. Hey, Stacey, thanks for coming on to the show. I know we talk very often in a professional setting, but I'm really glad to have you here and share all of your wisdom that has vicariously gone to our listeners anyway. <laughs> um, you get to share it like in the flesh now. So, <laughs> Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I think I've told you, I uh, listen to you guys at the gym sometimes. I usually do like a 30-minute workout. So this is like my perfect little um, dose of uh, positivity. And you guys always have such great guests on and I love the questions that you ask. So I feel really honored to be here and um, I'm so excited, especially given our relationship, Liz. It's really fun to be a part of something that you're doing that's so cool and putting out so much goodness into the world. So thanks for having me. Aw, thank yeah. you. Yeah, I remember, I think I like, I don't remember... I, it took a while, I think, for me to tell you that I had a podcast. I was like, oh, I like Loki have a podcast. And you're like, what is it? Nobody knows your so. guys' relationship yet. The, the listeners are oh. like, how do they yeah. know each other? <laughs> We're secret best friends. No, um, <laughs> Stacy is my business coach. So I talk to Stacy like biweekly usually, yeah, um, both individually. And then each member of my team at work also talks to her. And then we have group calls together to like work through communication stuff and other fun things that pop up in the workplace. So that's how I know Stacey. Yeah, we've been uh, we've been meeting for like over a year, right? Yeah, yeah. Like a little yeah. it's it's been very helpful. Like tremendous. Liz helpful. has even shared some of her insights with me from her coaching. It's like she passes down your wisdom. And I'm sure your I don't wisdom. I'm not allowed to do that. I'm just, but I'll be like, Stacy says. But I'm sure your you know? wisdom is like, you know, being channeled through Liz to our podcast listeners too. Like they already get like coaching from you through Liz. That's amazing. I'm sure. I, you know, it's funny though, because um, I think of Liz as being a really, really wise person. So probably at least half of that. You say that all the time. That, yeah, I know. So probably at least half of whatever she passes on and is stuff that she actually articulated to me through coaching. And I just probably reflected it back to her. Mm -hmm. uh, Isn't that what coaching kind of is anyway? Is like you're just helping other people like verbalize what they already know. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty much. A lot of the time it is actually. And Liz, I learn a ton from Liz as well. So it's, it's it's a mutually beneficial relationship. This is actually just like the secret praise Liz episode. (laughs) This is how it's going to be the whole episode. When's the Nina one? Let's get it happening. We'll have like a praise Liz and a praise Nina episode. That's awesome. It won't be self-centered at all. (laughs) So I want to talk about how you got into coaching because it's not obviously not always what you've done. Um, So I want to talk a little bit about what led you down this path and how you got started. Yeah, so... Uh, about probably about 12 or 13 years ago, I was actually in a job. Um, I was actually what was called a relocations consultant. So I was relocating executives from other countries to Los Angeles. That's where I live. And I was, it it was actually a very good job. Um, and I was really unhappy. Um, it was, it was a good job. I, you know, I, I enjoyed my work to an extent, but I also knew that there was something more that was going to be uh, something that was going to be in more alignment with my passion and something that would fulfill me. And I, I started really struggling with anxiety, actually. I was, it was getting worse and worse. And I started seeing a therapist. And uh, that particular therapist uh, 
was a cognitive behavioral therapist, actually. So lots of uh, work on beliefs and things like that. But he also really recommended because of my anxiety that I start exploring uh, meditation and mindfulness. And so I did. Uh, really fortunate to be in Los Angeles where there's lots of that here. And I eventually found my way to UCLA's Mindful Awareness Research Center where I started taking classes and I studied there for a few years just uh, on my own to learn how to regulate emotions, developed a meditation practice, took a ton of classes on mindfulness. And uh, eventually, one thing led to another. I just started having friends asking me about it. So I decided to explore teaching. And there was a year-long training program at UCLA that you can apply for and uh, teach mindfulness in the community. And so I did that. I applied and I was accepted. And when I finished, I got hired by UCLA to start teaching classes. And uh, and then I did that for a couple of years. And then one fortuitous night, I met my now boss, uh, Dan Stover, who has a company in Los Angeles called Integrated Leadership Systems. Um, there's actually also an office in Columbus, Ohio, which is where um, I think Nina is. And yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So he and I got to talking and turns out mindfulness and emotional intelligence are very closely linked. And that's what we do at Integrated Leadership Systems is we work one-on-one with executives doing coaching and consulting and also training in what Liz is pointing to earlier emotional intelligence training, mindfulness training, um, communication, conflict resolution, all of that kind of stuff. So the interpersonal stuff um, in between people and also self-awareness about um, helping people to discover what their thoughts and beliefs and emotions are that are making them tick. And um, if there's Mm. any adjustments that need to be made so that they can interact more effectively, um, more compassionately in a way that... That's more human, I guess, um, helping people to become emotionally intelligent humans. So, And doesn't everybody need that? Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> Do you ever work with couples? That is my question. <laughs> you know, I have never worked with a, a, a man and a woman like or, or two uh, like romantic partner couples. Uh, I've worked with business partners before, which feels a lot like people who are married in some ways. Um, but I haven't, I haven't worked with people who are like married, uh, to each other or partnerships with each other romantically. I feel like wouldn't emotional intelligence be really important with a couple? A hundred percent. Yeah. When I'm not, (laughs) I'm speaking for a friend. I got, no, I'm not. I'll just be honest. I'm speaking about Cody. I got in a fight with him this morning and I was like, oh, you just don't understand my emotions. Like, and he's like, I just, he doesn't get emotions, I guess. And I'm like, is it just because you're a boy? And then he's like, stop acting like you are Buddha and you just know how to read everybody's emotions. I'm like, stop acting like you're Buddha. I feel like I can. (laughs) No, I just would love to do something with emotional intelligence with Cody and just like sit down because I uh, clearly don't understand his sometimes and he clearly doesn't understand mine sometimes. Yeah, so what you're talking about is really true. So relationships are relationships are relationships. And uh, one of the main principles that we use when we're working with people, you know, kind of one-on-one with each other in communications when they're having trouble Uh, understanding each other is uh, based on nonviolent communication. I don't know if you're familiar with that work, but um, it's about, Mm -hmm. it's about learning how to explain to somebody um, about their behavior 
um, how you felt in response to the behavior and then asking for um, a change in the behavior going forward. So Mm. what that looks like is, you know, I don't know what your husband did. What's your husband's name? Cody. Cody. So a lot of times... Liz is like smiling because she knows how (laughs) emotion-less... Not emotionless. What's the word I'm thinking of, Liz? Okay, so Nina's always making Cody take... Asperger's test to see if he's on the spectrum. Like I wasn't gonna every put that out there, but she does. But I do, and he also was like, "Yeah, I'm like mildly on the autism spectrum." Like he'll be like, "I kind of." And this is I have a master's in special education and um a brother with severe special needs, so I'm allowed to say these things. But he will, yeah. He always is like, "I admit it. It's fine. I just don't get emotion." That's hilarious. Yeah. So, so with the, so with nonviolent communication, even, um, yeah, any relationship, whether you're married or whether you're in a partnership in business or whatever, um, it's a really simple process that you guys could practice together. And it's basically kind of a three-step process where you talk about the behavior. So like Cody, this morning you walked in to the bedroom and you gave me a snarky response when I asked you if you could put your clothes in the hamper, whatever, I'm making this up. When, when that, when you did that, I felt rejected. I felt sad. So describing how you felt in response to the behavior, would it be possible in the future if when I ask you to put your clothes in the hamper, you could just say, okay, no problem or whatever, whatever it is you're asking for. But what we do instead Mm. often is you came into the bedroom, you gave me a snarky response, which means that you really don't respect me at all and you don't care what I feel <laughs> and you make all these assumptions and things like that. And that's what we do a lot of times with partners or with even with in, in, the, in the workplace. And so when you, do, when you practice this sort of like three-step process of... We call it three-step process of assertive communication, but it's really totally borrowed from nonviolent communication. You take, the, you take all of the assumptions and the emotionality and your belief about the way that the other person sees you and all of that out of it and you just stick with the facts. You did this. Mm. I felt this way. Could we do this in the future? Boom, boom, boom. Pretty simple. That's really funny that you say that because it's start. I'm just going to throw it out here because we're just talking about it. So he was like working on something. He's always working. And that's fine because I am too. But like if I, if he asks me a question, I'm usually like, yeah. But if I interrupt him, he'll be like, what? Like, what? You know, like one of those, like basically you interrupted me. Like, what are you doing? So of course I started off with like being like, dude, like what the heck? I'm just asking you a question. And then of course I'm like projecting that he just like doesn't care about my feelings and is like too self-centered. And then later when we're in the car driving to the office, I was like, it's just, it makes me sad when you do that. And I wish that you could just, you know, respond to me with kindness. Can you just respond to me with kindness when I have a question? And he was like, yes. And so then I was like, well, I should have just cut all that (laughs) the argument out beforehand, which is exactly what you said. It's just like, I did both today. I like went crazy. And then I also was like, okay, rational Nina was like, okay, let's like actually get to the bottom of this. Yeah. But way to get there, right? At the end, like eventually you kind of, the the rational side of your brain was like, okay, what do we actually want here? We want to be kind to each other. And you were able to just ask that. But it's true. Oftentimes we have to go through this whole rigmarole of all these assumptions and projections and arguments and raised voices and things like that. And so what 
what we're talking about is just being aware that, of the tendency to go that way and right, yeah. and then learning how to practice. Like it's, it's really kind of silly, but like actually sit down and be like, here's how I want to try to talk to you going forward. I just want to explain the behavior. I want to describe how I felt in response to the behavior, not how you made me feel, but how I felt in response to the behavior and um, and then discuss like what I'd like to see us try to work together in the future to make our relationship better. Um, but yeah, so much of, of whether we're talking about you know romantic partners or in the business in the workplace, there's all this other stuff that gets in the way of just being really clear and kind in the way that we resolve conflict. Mm-hmm. What about if hypothetically, if someone came, I've not had this happen. Well, I have with my loving spouse that bought me grapes for our <laughs> exercise, which probably won't be in this episode. So people won't know what I'm talking about when I talk about grapes. Um, what if someone comes at you, comes back at you and you're like, you made me feel, or not you made me feel, when this happened, I felt this way. What if someone comes back and is like, tries to invalidate mm-hmm. your feelings mm-hmm. and say like, well, you shouldn't feel this way mm-hmm. or I didn't mean for that, like, because that's, that's common. You know, I feel why like did you take happens. it that way? Um, well, first of all, you're always entitled to your um, your feelings. Are your feelings are your feelings? So how you feel is okay, no matter what. And so the thing to say when somebody says, "Well, you shouldn't feel this way," mm-hmm. you could take ownership and say, uh, "Maybe not, but it is how I feel." Um, and, and I'm not even necessarily saying that it's your fault that I feel this way, but this is how I felt in response to what you said. And so, and I, I would always just keep coming back to, I just want to communicate to you how I'm feeling in this situation. And I'm just asking if it's possible, if we could work together to find a way that, that maybe I won't get so triggered by this and also taking responsibility. I'm working on my triggers and I'm working on trying not to take things personally and things like that. But as someone who loves me and I love you or, or, you know, whatever, and we're talking about romantic relationships now, but I just want to talk to you about it and just tell you, this is how I felt. And we work together to try to find a way to move forward in a, in a way that's going to make us both feel good. One time I told um, Amanda that I wanted to make a drinking game where you get like a sitch, like something that you want to say and then you have to stasify it. I don't know why it's a drinking game. It could just be a regular game, but it'd be fun with alcohol. Where like you have to stasify it because like I'll have this thing where I'm like, I have to talk about this and I don't know how to say it. And the way Stacy like reframes it, it's like, duh, why wouldn't you say it that way? That's like the most normal non-awkward way to say it. But in my brain, you should start an app. I'm thinking of them. So like every time <laughs> I'm about, it. yeah, stasify it. And every time I'm about to like get in an argument or like whatever, and I have a phrase in my head, I'm like, I'm just going to pop this into the stasify app. And then and see it's going to spit <laughs> out a better and more effective way of, for me to communicate this thought. Oh my god! And it will save It'll, you're going to save lives. Like you're going to save marriages. And you're going to make millions of and dollars. Businesses. <laughs> I, we basically, you have to give us a cut because we just created a million it's dollar. You guys definitely get the patent on that. So when that happens, make right. sure it's going to go into, you know, manufacturing tomorrow. So. Yes. Right, right. it. Well, <laughs> what a brilliant idea. No, but when it comes to the workplace, it's, I find that it's more difficult to have those conversations with people because it's not somebody that you're necessarily intimate with. So you're like, shoot, do I even want to go there? Like, I remember when I was teaching, I had a relationship with a coworker and it was like, 
they made me feel nervous. I was like, I just would rather not go there because I feel like you're just not going to get what I'm saying. And is it worth it? But then you're working with those people for how many hours a day? So, I mean, that affects your energy considerably. So what's your advice to somebody that's like, I get it. If it's my significant other, sure. But with it's a, if it's a coworker, that feels really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great point. Well, I want I actually want Liz to talk a little bit about that. Because I've, I think we've had some conversations in your workplace that have been pretty vulnerable and open about this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So Liz, I'll start off by letting you answer that question. Oh, jeez. I mean, I think when it comes... I, I've noticed what I do with work stuff is I, I assign people stories that they haven't told me. So like, let's just use my coworker, Tara, who's like, the sweetest human on earth. I might in my head, like, let's say I have a conflict with Tara or not a conflict, just something that I want to like express and get off my shoulders. In my head, I'm always, I'm like, Tara's going to say this. And she probably, I know she thinks this. And I, I make like a fake version of Mm -hmm. Tara that doesn't exist. I create, she's never said, you know, I hate this. You're the worst at this. She's never said any of the things that I'm projecting in my head. So that I feel like when I have those conversations, especially if you have them at a point where no one's heated in any way, where you're just like casually bringing it up, it's, I've never, I've always gone into difficult conversations at work feeling really stressed out, like this is going to be disastrous and they're going to scream at me and, you know, whatever. And it's, it never ends up that way. It's always like, oh, okay, yeah, well, how can we fix that? And then we just figure out a resolution and move forward. Like it's, it's basically, it's always bigger in my head Mm -hmm. than it is in real life. I've found. We do that too. Yeah. And Liz is fortunate because she has a really amazing team of people who are all being coached by me and, and are sort of learning about this sort of way of being. And, and it's not always the case. So you're not, you don't always have like a whole team that's on board with emotional intelligence journey and and so forth. Mm -hmm. But what I can say about it is that, First of all, context is everything. So Nina, if you have an intuition about somebody that maybe a conversation isn't going to go well, that may or may not be true. Kind of like what Liz is saying. You may be making it up in your head that it's not going to go well and it might go just fine. But what I can say for sure is that everybody in the workplace is a human being and everybody in the workplace deals with the whole same range of emotions that, that we all deal with. And oftentimes if one person can be emotionally, intelligently vulnerable, those things all kind of need to go together. So it's, you have to approach it from an emotional intelligent place, but be vulnerable and open about what your experience is. A lot of times it opens doors to have more real authentic conversations. And um, that's really a big piece of what the work that Liz and I do um, together is. It's about learning how to communicate in the workplace as human beings. We're not robots. You know, we like to think mm-hmm. that like we can check our our humanness, our fragility and our emotions at the door when we get to the workplace, but it's just not true. Like we all we're all still humans when we go into work and we're all human beings that are working together. A lot of times like kind of like a family. And so it's important to be able to be real and open and, and vulnerable um, to the extent that it's possible. It's not always completely possible, but it's more possible than people think, I think. I think that the work is so important because you said 
that we're not robots. And we think when we go into work that we can just like go into this mode. But that's what I see in my work that I do with health coaching is that's why we are developing so much anxiety and we're developing, you know, all of these symptoms because we're physically trying to be something that we're not and we're like restricting our emotions and we're working ourselves too hard and we think that and I like work a lot with like feminine and masculine energy but we're like in our masculine so much we're not using our feminine energy which is a lot of where emotional intelligence I'm sure comes from and yeah like we have to be able to do that if we want to stay healthy and sane people that are successful in the workplace. Yeah, absolutely. And so much of like the work, and I think Liz might be able to speak to some of this too, but like so much of the work that I do with people is just about like the mindfulness piece is like, just acknowledge what you're feeling in the moment. Like if you're at work and you're feeling like you want to cry or you're sad or you're frustrated or whatever it is, just letting yourself experience what that's like and knowing that that's normal have those emotions. It doesn't make you wrong. It doesn't make you like someone who shouldn't be at work or whatever it is. It's just, that's just what it is to be human being. And so, so Mm -hmm. much of what um, I feel like my work is, is just like giving people like acknowledging, like, it's okay if you're at work and you're not feeling a hundred percent wonderful and you're feeling something that feels like the opposite of that. And just to allow it like mindfully experience it, check out where you feel it in your body. What, if you feel frustration, like where do you feel frustrated in your body? What is Mm. it made out of? Let yourself explore that. Let yourself just kind of process it. And what, what often happens with that when we are able to give ourselves permission to be aware of what our experience is and pay attention to what's actually physically and physiologically happening in our bodies is it's like a turning towards, not unlike when a little child is having a hard time and a parent says, I see that you're really struggling. I'm so sorry. The child often like will, will stop, like the, the crying will slow down and they'll eventually like stop crying and they'll start to feel better. As adults, we're all just a bunch of like tall children walking around Mm -hmm. and we still have these emotions just like we did when we're kids, but now we feel like we're not allowed to have them. So not that we act out on them, not that we are allowed to just emotionally react to people in ways that are not acceptable. We are not wrong for having emotions, even difficult emotions. Everything you said is like my core philosophy (laughs) with like humans. I just, I love that so much. And when we resist our emotions and when we resist how we're feeling, it just intensifies it because we think it's wrong and we're trying to change. But it's like, I always remember, and I tell myself a lot, like this too shall pass. Like it's okay that you're feeling this way. And emotions are meant to like course through you. And, you know, if you just let it be, it will pass. And then a new emotion will take its place eventually. You know what I mean? It's not like going to be stuck in you forever unless you're like keeping it stuck. I love that. I love that this too shall pass. It's a good mantra to have. It's really good. Yeah. I I think my therapist told me that. (laughs) I think he was like, this too shall pass, right? And I was like, it will. And then I started saying it all the time. Yeah. It's a good one. I mean, it's, it's one of the principal rules actually of mindfulness is like impermanence. Like nothing, nothing stays the same. If you, you have something that you love, you know, it's, it will pass. And if you have something that you don't love, it will pass. Like every Right everything changes and everything passes. And one of my teachers and my mindfulness teacher, Diana Winston, she used to talk about this concept that you're talking to Nina, talking about Nina is kind of like when we have difficult emotions, the, the, the belief that 
really makes it difficult is that this is how it, like, I'm going to feel this way forever. Like exactly. I'm always going to feel this way. But if you think about the fact that we've all had thousands and thousands and thousands of different emotions in our lives and where are they now? Like they're not here anymore, you know? So right. It's like this yeah. idea that it's, it, this isn't how I'm always going to feel. This is just a moment in time and it's this too shall pass. Like you said. Mm-hmm. It helps me with anxiety like crazy. Yeah. Like I'll just remember that this is just a moment of anxiety. It's not going to be an anxious like life forever. And that always just eases my my symptoms really. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think what you're talking about is really true that anxiety is so much about, at least for me, my experience with anxiety is so much of my anxiety was about me resisting my experience. So, yeah, exactly. Like, especially with difficult emotions. Like, oh, I don't want this difficult emotion. And so there's all this clenching and tightening that, like you just said, exacerbates the exacerbates the emotion and makes it worse. Yeah. But, you know, if you just can let it be and let it move through you, then you can all often come back to equilibrium. Mm-hmm. I have a question about, so you left your, what you were doing with your relocation business and then started doing this instead. I have a question just because I've heard like some of our listeners I know have talked, like we've heard them talk about like they're thinking about making a big job transition because they're unhappy. How do you know if, like how you're feeling in your current job is like you really do have to get out of a situation or it's a mindset shift? Like, how do you know if it's situational versus you can just change your mindset and maybe things would be better for you? Yeah, that's so hard. It is. It's really hard to know. And sometimes it's a, it's like both, right? Sometimes both things can mm-hmm. be true. Like maybe there's something to learn here. It's like, oh, I need to leave this job because this person drives me nuts. Maybe you need to leave this job and this person drives you nuts, but maybe there's also something about this person that's driving you nuts. It's something to explore about what is happening inside of you as well. So I think for me, my, I I usually ask myself a lot of questions about, um, about this. So number one, for me, if it's like, like when I first started doing this work, um, I really questioned even if I really wanted to be doing it from the very beginning. And a lot of what my resistance to it was, I discovered was about fear. I'm afraid. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be able to really help people. I don't know. I don't know if I want to stand up in front of a big group of people and speak um, and teach and have all these people looking at me. I don't know if uh, you know I'm going to ever feel like I can you know offer value. All of, all of those like sort of imposter syndrome doubts and things like that. Um, and I was really clear. That, that 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 piece was about fear. So, and I'm and I've always kind of had this like like intention that like if it's fear, I'm going to keep pushing through it because mm-hmm. if it's something I'm afraid of, it usually means there's, a, there's like there's an edge for me to grow. But and then there's other pieces where it's like if it's a personality thing that I would usually probably try to work with it. You know, like try to figure out like is it is it situational and can I make adjustments. And, you know, once I've tried all the things and I'm still really not finding um, that I'm happy, then then I would probably start thinking about transitioning. Um, but I definitely would not be... I would definitely question if I felt like fear was stopping me. And I would definitely try if it was a relational thing to see if there's something that I can push through here too. 
and, and work it out. Um, because oftentimes someone's in our lives um, that's really triggering us. It's for a reason. And that person will end up just showing up later in another person's body if we don't like figure out our relationship to them at that time. But if it's like, this isn't my passion, this isn't like what I want to be doing for a living. I'm really passionate about this other thing or... Maybe I'm not passionate about this other thing, but I haven't created any space in my life to be able to figure out what I'm passionate about. Then that's kind of a different conversation. And in that situation, I would say, I would probably say to like try to start exploring the things that are interesting to you on the side, but as, as opposed to like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to quit my job and live under a tree or, you know, whatever. It mm-hmm. is. Yeah, you Sounds don't just lovely. have to do that. Yeah. People will ask us a lot, like, well, how do you even find what you're passionate about? And and what is your advice to that? Because I think that there are so many levels of like, I just know this is not making me happy, but I really don't know what my passion is. Like, do I want to, I don't have anything like really pulling me. How do you advise somebody to start diving into that? Yeah, that's a great question. One of the extra, I actually have a few clients that are like in transition um, at the moment. And, um, they're kind of exploring like what else is there and, um, getting ready to like, um, you know, make a move or whatever. And, um, one of the practices that people have found really useful, I ask my clients to journal a lot. And one of the journal exercises I ask these type of people to do when they're searching for their passion is to do some writing about what, if you could do anything with your life, no hold barred, no, mm, like setting, such a good one. setting aside, you don't live in the right place. You're too young. You're too old. You don't have education for that. Like whatever it is, if it's, you want to be an astronaut, like write about how you want to be an astronaut. If you want to be a professional, um, WNBA player, like write about that. And what happens is people start to see, even if maybe they're not ever going to be an astronaut, Maybe they realize like, I've always really loved looking at the stars and, um, and there's actually an observatory right down the street. And, you know, maybe I'll go check out and see what it's like over there. And maybe I'll volunteer once a week or, you know, whatever, whatever that is, like, let your mind go so big because what happens, I think for us in general, um, in this country and probably in a lot of in the world is like, we limit ourselves by all these arguments. Like I can't do that because of this, 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 and this, but what's behind, what's the seed of those things that we really like dream of that are so big that we probably won't end up doing. There's a piece of it that we could follow and be interested in. Um, and so I really invite people to like follow their fascination. So I was in this place where I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I actually had zero intention of becoming a mindfulness teacher or a coach or anything like that. When I was in, in the process of leaving my job and feeling a lot of anxiety, I just really was really interested in mindfulness and psychology and spirituality and, and that sort of mm-hmm. world. So I just went and started taking classes to just learn just because I wanted to learn about it. So um, I think people get overwhelmed because sometimes the journey feels really far but I would just say, follow your fascination and just dip oh your in the things that you're really interested in and start following it and know that it's probably not going to happen overnight. You're not probably all of a sudden going to wake up and say, oh, I want to be, you know, I want to be um, a lawyer. And then the next day you're going to get a job as a lawyer, or I want to be a, a financial coach. And the next day you're going to wake up and you're going to be a financial coach. It's like, there's steps, but you have to take mm-hmm. that first step and let yourself 
follow, follow that fascination that you have. It's like the best thing I've ever heard. The best way of explaining it. You should be my coach too. I'm not a I mean, I am in business. I'm in my own business, um, but. <laughs> no, I think that's, I think also like there's a lot of pressure on, I don't know if it's like a, a uniquely American thing or like a Western thing, but I feel like there's a lot of pressure on us to be like, I have to find the thing I'm passionate about and then I have to do it and be the best at it. And like that whole like, I like the idea instead of, you know, maybe you maybe you have a job that you like just fine and it's a fine job and you get paid well and you like it okay and it's great. And then you build this creative life based on these other passions that you can get fulfillment and you don't have to quit your job to become an astronaut. You can, you know, exactly what you're saying. Like, you're more, there's more to you than just your job and you can create those other relationships in your life and not have it be your soul relationship. 100%. And oftentimes, like, both things feed each other. You know, it's like, maybe you're learning about social network marketing with your regular day job, and you're eventually going to need to apply that to your creative life, you know, and, and those kind of things can cross over. And so there's there's a lot of, of truth to what you're saying, Liz. I don't necessarily think it's the same path for everybody. And I don't think what you do from nine to five has to be your only thing. And if you... Um, enjoy what you're doing in your day job and it gives you the space and the financial stability and um, all of that to kind of on the side, pursue whatever you want, then that sounds like a great recipe for happiness too. So I don't think it has to look like any one thing. And I don't think it has to be like forever. Nothing has to be forever. Like you can mm-hmm. try something and do it for a while and see how it goes. And oftentimes that thing will lead to something else maybe. And you know, this idea that we have to know what we want to do when we're 18 years old and like put our head down and do it. Not even realistic at all. I don't think so either. Nina and I were both, I was going to be a music teacher when I was 18 years old. I was going to be a musical theater performer. That's awesome. You guys couldn't You got closer. (laughs) Well, we kind of did because we we both ended up doing music together. We were, I mean, we were freshman year music roomies. We secretly want to do like open mic night together, but I don't know how we're going to facilitate Liz, this. Me and Cody had our first practice like a week ago because we are doing open mic nights. And I go, he what? was like, man, it'd be really good if we had, you know, like another vocalist that could maybe do some harmonies. And I was like, well, I know the I'll perfect person, but she now lives two hours away. Aww. And it's fine. We can Just, practice we can- like virtually. Yeah, via Zoom. Actually, that's terrible Zoom because of the lag. Session. This is like, we digress. We, But I'm just oh, yeah. saying. That happens. It happens a lot. You can do it but when I, she comes back to Columbus. She does that from time to time. And I'd like to see a video of I it. I do. I'll be there. And- I know. When you come to Columbus, we're just going to schedule rehearsal. We'll just add something else okay. to your to-do list. It'll be Great. fantastic. I'm not overwhelmed You're at not. all. Ever. It's, you're going to really never. love this new band I just joined you in. <laughs> It's the Nina and Cody band. When you were discussing that it doesn't have to be forever and that you can explore things, that resonated so strongly with me just because of like, we were talking about our background in music and I always was like, I'm going to be a performer. And then I was like, I'm going to be a music teacher. And those two things were just, they were who I was. And when I started to become interested in women's health and wellness, I like did the same thing. I was like, well, I'm just going to get this certificate and I'm just going to see how it feels. And I'm going to start, I'm just going to start blogging about it. And then I'm going to start a podcast. And it was just like all of these little things. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, I think I actually want to do this. But it was only because it just, it 
felt so right. And it wasn't like I had to quit my job or anything. It just was like, it was two years of this steady process. But I didn't even, I wouldn't have had to quit my job if I didn't want to. It's like, I could have done both. And now I try and remind myself, like if I ever want to go back to teaching for some reason, like that's still an option, you know? It's never like I've made this decision and now I'm stuck with it. Although I really do feel like this is my path. But I'm just saying that was really helpful for me to be like, I can try things on for size. And it's like no commitment, you know, that's fine that. either way. Yeah. Like you just literally spent two years following your fascination and seeing like yeah. what, what you liked and, and what clicked and what didn't. And I think that's awesome. And I think like one, one thing people feel is like, well, if I, if I want to try, if I want to go down this path, like this has to be the path. But one of the things that I talk about with my people in transition, that's like, like think of your life as kind of a laboratory of like, experimenting about what you want. And if you get information that this actually isn't the direction that you want it, you try something, oh, that's actually not what I wanted. I'm realizing I'm like having an awareness now that this isn't the right way. That's data too. You know, that's information as well to kind of help you figure out, okay, I went down that path. Nope, that wasn't quite it. I'm going to back up and go back over this way now. Um, And that, so it's not wasted. It's just like, okay, now I know, like I can try, I can cross that off my list as like, that's not the way. And then you don't have to wonder about it anymore as much. Maybe do it for years from now, you try it in a different way or whatever, but it's all data. It's all information. Mm -hmm. Liz, our friend Sam, who was a lawyer turned health coach, she quit her Mm -hmm. job as a lawyer and she went into health coaching. And then she realized Mm -hmm. like health Health coaches need lawyers. Yeah. But she realized (laughs) like health coaching wasn't like filling her up like she thought it was going to. She like, quit her job as a very successful lawyer. But then what she did was she's like, I want to bring legal advice to small businesses and to women Mm -hmm. who are coaching. And like she developed this whole other business. And I've heard her talk about that too. Like it wasn't a waste. Like even though I quit my job and I went into coaching, it wasn't exactly what I thought, but it led me to this new business that I now have. And that's such a great way to think about it. Yeah. Well, even now, like I, so I just did a presentation for a, so I do financial consulting for credit unions for a listener that doesn't know, but they probably do know, <laughs> or marketing consulting. And I was giving a presentation and I actually, because I've been doing all of this like behavioral economics research with my financial coaching stuff, like I've been reading a lot about, you know, different, like why people spend the way they do and how emotions play into it. Like I was able to use that information in my presentation. And I'm like, look at these things mm-hmm. like crossover. marrying in one place. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's good crossover. It's really awesome. I use my teaching skills and what I've learned just like working with, you know, kids and how to relate to other people's emotions 100% in my coaching. I'm like, dude, none of that was a waste. Like all of those years of education and teaching, it's like I use those skills in my new profession every single day. Yeah. Everything, everything adds to who you uniquely are, you know, like every, even like a bad relationship. (laughs) What did you learn from that? You know, totally. Yeah. I have a question about mindfulness at work, particularly like if anyone's like me and maybe they're anxiety prone, which I would say I most certainly am. (laughs) I feel like it's really easy to get overwhelmed at work when you're just naturally an anxious person, particularly if you're also a perfectionist person. How would you recommend people that are struggling with feeling like 
burnout or overwhelmed at work, how can they incorporate mindfulness to help with that? So maybe not as much like interpersonal stuff with a coworker, but more like internally, how do I check yeah, myself? Yeah, that's a great question. So Liz, we've done the stop practice before together, right? Okay. Yes, we did. I think what is it called? Time, the stock practice? Stop. stop practice. Oh, stop. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to share with you guys a little mini mindfulness practice that you can do like anywhere, anytime, even with people around you in a minute. But first I just want to say that one of the best ways to not be overwhelmed at work is to try to find a way to hit the relief valve when you're not at work. Um, and that means finding whatever it is that you do for you that helps you to um, find your center to 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 be able to come back to yourself. As you know, I'm a huge advocate of meditation. Um, I I really would encourage people to try doing that. Like even if it's just starting with five minutes a day, it can make a big difference. I I'm I I meditate every day, and I don't know what I would do without it, honestly. So um, I'm a really big fan of that. Um, also taking a walk outside self-care, bubble baths, things like that. Finding some time so you can actually kind of let go of the stuff at work and take care of yourself can be really, really huge. The stop practice, which is something anybody can do anywhere as long as they have about 30 seconds, is stop, stand. It's an acronym. We love acronyms and mindfulness. Uh, (laughs) the The S stands for stop. It's very creative. The T stands for take a breath. The O is for observe. And then the P is for proceed. So what this looks like is, and we can all do it together. So you're going about your day. You're starting to feel overwhelmed and busy. So just sort of pushing back from your desk or whatever you have going on and just stop for a minute. Take a deep breath. observe what's ever, what's going on for you. So like, what am I feeling and what am I thinking? Those are the two questions. What am I thinking and what am I feeling? Just paying attention, um, especially to your feelings. If your feelings are like anxiety, um, if you're feeling a lot of anxiety, you could also find a neutral part of your body that feels safe, like feeling your feet on the floor, your back against a chair, but just paying attention to your experience. And then just letting it be there, like kind of what you're talking about, Nina, just allowing whatever is there Mm -hmm. to be there. And then the P is for proceed. Stop, take a breath, observe, and proceed. Super simple. Mm -hmm. And I have a few executives that I work with who will never, ever meditate. I know Um, we've had lots of conversations about it, but that tell me that they do this practice like several times a day and it really helps them. Like they even have like a little stop note on their computer or something like that. They're secretly meditating. I know. It's fine. So when they, when you have somebody tell you that they're not going to meditate, how do you work around that? Yeah, because I, it's not, it's not necessarily that I think. I mean, I'm a huge fan of it. It's helped me a lot. I think it help would help a lot of people. But everybody has different things that help them. And if somebody's just really not, they really don't want to do a meditation practice. It's, that's their call. Um, and there's mm-hmm. lots of other things that we can do together to kind of get to the bottom of what they're thinking and what they're feeling. And sometimes we do something that's kind of like a mindfulness practice in our sessions that I'm guiding them through. It's usually not that people are like, I don't want to meditate. I'm against it. It's, it's more about people not 
um, being committed to like cutting out a period of time in their day. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I actually don't think I've ever had anybody say, I don't like meditating. I think it's really dumb or anything like that. It's usually like, Mm -hmm. I'd like to meditate, but I just, I forget or I don't, I don't create time. Like it's not a priority, whatever it is. So sometimes with those people, like we'll do some practices in the session, but that's the extent of what they get for the week or Mm -hmm. those two weeks. But I really encourage everybody, if you're, if you don't want to meditate, that's fine, but find something that helps you to sort of hit the reset switch, whether it's going for a walk. If you, you know, if you feel like, you know, running is meditative for you, that's fine. Want to take, you know, a few minutes to go outside and like play with your dog in the evenings or just find something to do so you can just try to be present with yourself for a little period of time every day. So, yeah. Do you find that people at work in general are like really not present? Do you think it's hard to be present at work in particular? Because I feel like we have so many distractions around us. Yeah, I think it's it's something you have to be intentional about, right? Because there's so much going on. Um, that's why I'm such a huge advocate of meditation because especially when you do it in the morning, it kind of starts your day off like, Gives you the ability to say, this is the space that I'm going to go into all of this stuff, all these things pulling at me. I'm going to go into this space from a place that's grounded and present and like calmer. And so we're less likely to, the second we walk in the door to work or open our computers or whatever, we're, we're less likely to get yanked around by all of these things. And we're able to have a little more higher function brain power making our decisions rather than just being very reactive in how we manage our day. So it just, it depends. Some people are really good at being very intentional at like, I'm going to set the tone for my day and I'm going to go into my work with sort of this um, space of presence and probably, probably a lot of us find time. I mean, myself included. I certainly have had moments where I just start my day, and all of a sudden, I'm kind of bombarded with things, and it takes me a little while to realize, like, oh, I'm just being very reactive here, and I'm not, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not very grounded. I'm not very present. I need to take a step back. I need to like take a few breaths. I need to grab my my to do list and like really step back and look at it from a high level and not just be reacting to things all day. So, um, it can be hard. Even from like a physiological standpoint, it's like priming your body to go from sympathetic state to a parasympathetic state in the morning is so beneficial because like you're changing the chemistry of your body and you're like changing your nervous system. So if you, when you start your day, just like going into it, how can you really expect yourself to even use your practices? Because your body is sort of going to be working against you because your like hormones and things are going to be on such a high. But I, I found like I was almost using mindfulness better when I was working because I needed it. So I was like, okay, like I need to start my day meditating. And I would go take breaks in my car. I would even like close my office door in between classes if I had like 10 minutes and I'd put like a YouTube like calming sounds and I would just close my eyes. And I like would meditate throughout the day because I honestly, I had to do it or else the energy of the kids would just like shoot me for the rest of the day. And now I have to remind myself too, because I'll find, like you said, like all of a sudden I'll be like, wow, I'm so reactive right now. Or I'm like breathing really heavy or I'm so stressed. I have like not prioritized it as much as I should. And so that's like another, it's just a reminder to me, even if I'm not as busy that's the wrong word to say. Like I'm still doing things, but like the energy of my environment is so different. I still have to prioritize it because it builds up. 
So like adding it back into the morning routine was so helpful for me. So you found that sort of starting your day and like being intentional and sort of doing some breathing or whatever it is that you did to kind of get yourself centered, it would, it, it almost kind of a little bit inoculated you, it sounds like to the, yeah. to being stressed or to being dragged around by all of the needs of other people. It's like, wow, yeah, totally. like it sounds like you kind of put a, like a, I don't know, like an antidote in your body for like the stress so that you can tolerate. Yeah, it was like taking a little stress pill, but like just meditation and breathing, it just calms your body. And then I was able, like I had more room in my body to add stressors in because I like made that space. But then now I found that yeah, I just need to remind myself to do it again just because I'm, I've been in a transition. I guess like me explaining that is just saying to the listeners, like if you're ever wondering if it's going to be worth it, I'm telling you it is. Just to start your day with lowering your stress if you can. I actually think it's harder because I think I know like, Nina, you recently started working from home. Like I feel like having that structure of like, I'm going to set time to meditate before I commute to my job or whatever. I feel like it's so much easier because you have when you have those, you have that structure built in. And I feel like everyone's always like, oh my gosh, like if you wanted to meditate, you could just do it all the time. And that's true. But you're, there's something about working from home where you're just like, so I'm, I'm less likely, like I don't take as many breaks as I would if I were in an office. Like I don't have the bathroom breaks or the, you know, someone come in in my office or like, there's none of that there. So you can just like work, 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 work. And you forget to do things like take a moment for yourself. I agree 100%. Like when I was teaching, I had a schedule, like a class schedule. So I was like, this is my time. I'm just going to walk to the bathroom. Or like, this is my 10 minutes. I'm just going to be and not do anything. And then I think when you're working at home, I don't know, you can like attest to this, Liz, but you have, you're creating your own schedule. And so mm-hmm. you're like, I can just do, 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 do. And you're the one that's in charge of being like, I have a break now. But when you're the one telling yourself to take a break, you're like, well, I don't need the break. Yeah. Yeah. I got to keep working on this. Yeah. It, it's a lot harder when you have an unstructured environment. It can definitely be harder. One of the things that really helps me, cause I also mostly work from home. Sometimes I get, you know, go see clients or travel, but I would say three or four days a week I'm home and creating a space in my home that's dedicated to my practice was really big for me because it was always like, well, mm. I have two cats. My husband sometimes works from home. Like there's all these different sort of reasons. I, like I try to get rid of the reasons why, like why I can't sit. Cause it's still, I mean, mm-hmm. I've been practicing for over 10 years and I still have moments where I'm like, really do I need to today? You know? And sort of getting rid of those barriers, one being like, where do I go? And now I have a place in my office, but it's over in the corner away from my computer. It's away from Mm. like all of the things that might remind me that I should just get up and start working. Um, And it's a little dedicated spot where my cushion is and, you know, that kind of thing. So I think creating a space is really, really helpful. And then also just picking a time um, of day that typically works for you. And for some people it might, I mean, I'm a big fan of the morning, but for some people the morning, you know, their parent, maybe their parents have got kids, you know, and mornings feel really hectic. Maybe, you know, maybe especially if you work from home, maybe it's like before lunch or after lunch, or maybe it's in the evening or whatever, you know, whatever it is that works for you. So finding a time and a place are two big things that I think help people mm-hmm. to sort of have that, those two barriers removed. Yeah. 
I love the idea of like I'm looking at different corners in my office right now. Like, hmm, mm-hmm. where can I stick this new little new little area? I really love my bed. That was one thing when we moved because we're in a one bedroom, so we don't have a lot of extra space. And I was like, I want the bedroom to just be like this calming presence. I do have a dead plant in there. <laughs> it's been dead. Liz like stares at it when I record in there. It's been dead for like months, <laughs> but it's like I have my white covers. I have this like really nice saying on the wall and everything's like very plain and open and light. And I feel very comfortable like going in there meditating. I've even just like worked from my bed a couple of times just because it feels like a safe space. So even if you have a small space, you can like find an area that feels really good to you. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Awesome. Well, this is like, I just love this. I love that Two of my favorite people have now met, and now the world oh, can hear favorite people. the magic of Stacy. Yeah, you're one of my oh. favorite people. I talk to you like a thousand times a I day. Know. <laughs> I know. I'm like, yeah, we talk a lot. That is a. It's really fun. I feel like we're all just like hanging out, and we could, you know, go get a glass of wine now or something if we all live in the same. Think oh, that's yeah. our goal for this podcast. So thank you for saying that. We try and make it just like a hangout, oh, totally a, con- a hangout. conversation. It's a great hang for sure. Good. Yay. Yay! I love to hear that because we don't really like to do interview style. It feels weird to us. Yeah. yeah. It, we tried for a long t- or not a long time. I think we quickly realized that we're too like scatterbrained, ADD or <laughs> yeah. something. No, I was. I told Liz. <laughs> to I go think that you route. guys complement each other really, really nicely with with sort of the mm-hmm. kind of questions you ask and even the way that you talk and your energy and all of that. I think you guys are a great duo. Thanks. Well, where can our listeners learn more about you or connect with you or just if they're interested in being stacified and the app isn't out yet? Or also if you want to do relationship coaching, (laughs) where can they find you? I'm not opposed to relationship coaching. You're not? Oh my gosh. Okay. We're talking. Um, you know, I, I have, we have a website. If you're interested in uh, doing work for your organization, um, integratedleader.com is the ILS website where you could get more information. But if you want to connect, contact me directly, um, you could send me an email at uh, stacy at integratedleader.com. Um, and that's my email and I can connect with you. The website is, has a lot of information about what we offer, um, in regards to coaching, consulting, and training. Um, but if you have any questions for me about mindfulness or about if you're interested in coaching or anything like that, hit me up at Stacy at integratedleader.com. Cool. Stacy with the oh, one we'll link for that. anyone that may be trying to put an eye in there. We'll link it in the show notes for you guys. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Yay. Thanks so much. I'm so glad we finally met. I know. Like, me too. Like this I said. was so fun. I love hanging out with you guys. And thanks so much for having me on. I'm, I'm a big fan. So it was super fun. You're welcome. All right. Well, a big thank you again to Stacy for joining us and coming on to share your wisdom to Stacify our audience. Stacify we'll be looking, app. Look for we'll be looking for your app. Soon. <laughs> Um, yeah. And we hope that you got a lot of value out of that episode. We encourage you to reach out to Stacey. Um, she gave her contact information. It's also in the show notes. So feel free to connect with her if you'd like to work with her on any kind of leadership development skills or communication skills, anything of that nature with kind of a mindfulness spin. Um, just a reminder again, you can follow us on Instagram. That's where we'll be until the next episode. And that is at Finding Your Shine Podcast. We do giveaways. We do other fun things there. We 
reshare things. Mm -hmm. Whatever you do on Instagram. Whatever Nina does on our Instagram, that's what we do. We're there. We're on Instagram. And we're also there personally with our businesses at Nourished with Nina and at Liz Garster. So we would love to connect with you one-on-one on our personal platforms as well. Yeah. Well, thanks again for tuning in and we will catch you next week. See ya. 